Welcome to University of Iowa Insights, a monthly audio magazine featuring interviews with some of the world's leading thinkers, researchers, and teachers. In this, the September 2009 edition of our program, David Perlmutter, the new director of the School of Journalism and Mass Communication, chats with Nicole Reel about how the school is responding to major changes in the media industry. Dr. Judith Crossett, a geriatric psychiatrist with University of Iowa Healthcare, speaks with Becky Soglin about maintaining emotional well-being later in life. And Jim Elmborg, director of the School of Library and Information Science, talks with John Reel about a grant that will help address a shortage of teacher librarians in schools across Iowa. My name is David Perlmutter, and I'm a professor, Starch faculty fellow, and director of the School of Journalism and Mass Communication at the University of Iowa. David, tell us about the changes that you've observed in the field of journalism and mass communication. Twenty years ago at journalism schools, we trained someone to be a camera guy. It usually was a man, and he carried a big heavy camera around and would expect to work his entire career for different broadcast stations going and shooting spot news or stories, but basically his job was to video, and that's it. Now they want you to do everything. And I've heard of case after case where students were asked by an employer, can you do this? Yes. Can you do this? Can you do this? And go down, can you do this? No. Okay, sorry, we can't use you. You have to be able to do everything and anticipate what your employer is going to want tomorrow. What is the J School doing to help train journalists to enter into this very different world? I feel confident saying every journalism school in the world is asking itself, what are we doing and how can we do it differently and better? And my political position is that tradition, it's not a good reason to do anything the same way in teaching or on the, in a job. Quite a number of things that you would have learned at, at journalism and mass communication school 20, 30 years ago are still applicable. Integrity ethics, good sourcing, fine interview skills, excellent storytelling, working on deadline. I think those things still apply. In fact, I don't think you'll, get, you'll do well in life if you don't have those skills. However, that doesn't mean that we can't find ways to better marry those traditional skills and values with the new world of, say, online social interactive media. I think we're entering a period in all journalism schools of a couple of years of experimentation. In the chemistry department, in the uh, physics department, they understand part of innovation is experimentation. That's how they change their teaching curriculum is because something they discover something new in the lab. What kind of advice would you have for professional communicators who've been laid off or c- are concerned about their job security? I think the old paradigm of you go to school and major in something and then that's the end of your education, that's ended. I- if you haven't done anything new or learned anything new in four or five years in your job, you're in a heck of a lot of trouble, or you should know you're in a lot of trouble, because that means you're probably going to be easily replaced. If you're the one in the office that's always on the cutting edge of anything new that's coming along, and your employers think of you as the go-to person for what's next and what's new, I bet they'll keep you around. I'd love to have a situation where our graduates come back to us every four or five years for three weeks during the summer, and we give them the newest training in whatever is the newest thing and or they come back and they teach us. What are your thoughts on the future of the field? 
enrollment at journalism schools nationwide is booming. Journalism may be getting a lot of bad news, layoffs in journalism, but communications as a profession is booming and will continue to keep booming. Why? Because if you think of yourself as a communications professional, and if you think of the skills that you accumulate at a school of journalism mass communications as communication skills, then what industry wouldn't you be welcome in? The oil industry, the Sierra Club, the White House, everybody needs good communications people. Thanks for your time. To learn more about David Perlmutter and the School of Journalism and Mass Communication, visit www.uiowa.edu jmc. As they age, older Americans may experience changes in their emotional or mental health. Here to discuss this topic is Dr. Judith Crossett. How does depression in someone who's age 60 or older compare to, say, depression in a, in a younger person? Many things about depression in the older adult are very similar. There's a loss of interest in what normally is rewarding, fulfilling, uh, or even fun for you. Uh, there's a loss of energy, difficulty concentrating, there may be changes in sleep and appetite. For older adults also particularly, for whom sometimes talking about emotional states, uh, they're, they're harder for them to say, I'm depressed or I'm blue. Uh, you may find yourself just being more cranky than usual and more physical symptoms, more aches and pains. Uh, now in terms of physical causes, there certainly are some things that are more part of old age than younger age that can be, if not exactly causes, they make depression so much more likely that we almost think of them as causes. And chronic pain is one of those. And what might be some typical non-physical causes? There are a lot of changes and losses in your role in life as you get older. And with such as uh, retiring, no longer being a productive wage earner, uh, losing family roles as kids move away or a spouse dies. And with these, you start to lose some sense of control over your life and over things around you. And those senses of loss can also uh, be part of a picture of depression. Uh, not a guarantee that you will but we often see those kinds of losses in people with depression. Are there ways, though, that the so-called, say, wisdom of aging helps people cope? It can. Uh, there is research that, uh, research that shows that the brains of older people don't have as high a response to emotionally charged images as the brains of younger people. Now. That doesn't mean, I think, and this is extrapolating from the research, which doesn't exactly say this, but it makes sense to me that as you get older, you have simply experienced more things, including more emotionally charged and sometimes terrible things. And I'm not saying you get used to them, but you've learned how to, how to ride with it, how to say to yourself, this is bad, but I've had this before, I've seen this before, and I survived. I can cope with this. Are, are there other approaches to helping older people with depression? Certainly. The, uh, 
the most important thing, I think, and there's some research to back this up, is that you perceive, that you have social support, that you have family or friends or a church, a religious community, whatever it may be, that you perceive as being supportive to you. So if you have an older adult who doesn't have that or doesn't recognize that they have it, help them get back into that community. Make sure that they get to a doctor. I know we certainly see people who, or know of people who are proud that they haven't been to a doctor in umpteen decades, but this is really not a good idea as you age. There are illnesses which are very treatable, which can sap your energy, cause pain, and we could, as physicians, we can help you get past those so that your life is more enjoyable and it's more possible to go out and enjoy things again. Thank you very much, Dr. Crossett, for being on the show. Hi, my name is Jim Elmborg, and I'm the director of the University of Iowa School of Library and Information Science. The School of Library and Information Science was awarded a Laura Bush 21st Century Library Grant totaling nearly $882,000. How is this grant money being used at the University of Iowa? Well, John, most of that money goes toward tuition for students. We have 40 graduate students who are funded by this grant, and they have their master's degree fully funded by this degree. Um, the rest of the money goes toward an adjunct instructor and an assistant visiting uh, faculty member who teaches heavily in the grant. On what criteria are students selected to receive a $15,000 fellowship to earn a master's degree at the School of Library and Information Science? The primary thing we look for in the application process, actually there are three things, uh, evidence of successful teaching experience, interest in technology and innovative uses of technology in the schools, and willingness to take a district-wide or at least school-wide leadership position in relationship to instruction and technology. Why is there such a need for teacher librarians in Iowa, and will this grant eliminate the shortage? Well, this grant will not eliminate the shortage. We, we hope it will go some way towards doing that. The shortage is, uh, is severe and it's been with us and building for some time. In, in 1995, the Iowa legislature removed the requirement that Iowa school districts have a librarian on staff. And between 1995 and 2008, we saw a real drop in the number of librarians employed in schools. In 2008, the legislature reinstituted the requirement that Iowa school districts have a librarian on staff. Since that point, the numbers have been rising, but we still have lots of schools and lots of districts that don't have librarians. This problem is compounded because librarianship is, is very much an aging profession. We have um, almost two-thirds of librarians in the state who are over 50, and almost half the librarians in the state are over 55, so we have a wave of retirements coming that we need to address as well. In what ways are teacher librarians critical to schools? A good, effective teacher librarian is one of the few positions in a school who works across the curriculum with all fields and with all faculty members to do innovative work with technology and especially with information. We hear all the time we live in the information age and librarians are trained to be information specialists and as such can have a huge impact on a school for one position. How does the School of Library and Information Science 
prepare students to become teacher librarians? Well, we have a we have a curriculum that we've that we've designed to do this. Um, we have a master's degree that um, has been running since 1968. Has been accredited by the American Library Association. Essentially, we do a kind of a mixture between theoretical approaches to information and technology and uh, hands-on applications and practical training for professionals. So we try to mix the practical and the theoretical together and, and do a lot of things that are going to be connected to real-world life after school. For more on this program, visit the School of Library and Information Science at www.slis.uiowa.edu. This podcast was produced by the University of Iowa Office of University Relations. For more information on our podcasts or to subscribe, visit us at news.uiowa.edu.